come on a journey with a cinephile. Wake up, sucker. We're thieves and we're bad guys. That's exactly what we are. and welcome to bonus episode number five of Journey with a Cinephile, a horror movie podcast. As always, I am your tour guide of David Garrett Jr. and I have a very special guest that we haven't heard from in a little while. I would like to introduce my fiance, Jamie. If you'd like to go ahead and introduce yourself or just say hello. Hello. And on this one, we actually have a very special movie that we're going to be watching. And so I can just go ahead and get into that here real quick. Is It's going to be Dawn of the Dead, the original one from 1978. This is written and directed by my favorite director of George A. Romero. It stars David M.G., Ken Forey, and Scott H. Reiniger. This is a horror thriller film that is actually a co-production between the United States and Italy. This is currently sitting on a 7.9 on IMDb and a 4.0 on Letterboxd. And the synopsis really briefly here is following an ever-growing epidemic of zombies that have risen from the dead, two Philadelphia SWAT team members, a traffic reporter, and his television executive girlfriend seek refuge in a secluded shopping mall. So that's, you know, the intro for the movie. I mean, most everybody who's listening to this probably has seen this. I don't necessarily know as many times as I have, but have seen this quite a bit. So my first question is going to be here for Jamie is, how did you hear about this movie? Well, my fiancé is obsessed with this movie, so I've heard about it since it's your favorite movie. Other right, than yeah. that, I probably have never heard of it. Right. So, I mean, for me, my sister and I would watch this movie growing up when we probably shouldn't have been. Because, I mean, I remember seeing this as back early as being like four or five years old. So, once you're watching this, is going to be kind of a weird situation, especially because I know we would not be allowed to show this to your niece and nephew. No way. My, I, we never watched horror films. I watched the Gremlins once. I was terrified. So my parents learned their lesson that way. So I'm, I'm assuming my sister would never let us show this to Amelia. Hi, Amelia. Hi, Jonas. <laughs> Completely fair. <laughs> um, so I guess my question next would be, um, what do you know about this movie so far? Zombies. <laughs> There's a lot of them. 
good start. Um, the synopsis you just read is probably the most I ever listened to you talk about this movie. <laughs> so, and technically, I did see it. I well, just no, we started watching. I fell asleep during Day it, of so. the Dead, which oh, is the it, one that comes movie. after this. Dang it, I'm not even right at all. So <laughs> I have no idea. So then, I guess my next question is: I don't know where you'd like to start negative, but what were kind of your reservations about seeing this movie? It's an old movie from the 70s, and I'm used to the horror films now that have fairly good graphics, jump scares, everything like that, and you've shown me some older movies that I just thought were very artsy, and I don't want to say boring, but to me, I just, it took a lot for me to get into the movie, so this one just didn't sound really good. Also... You love this movie so much, I'm afraid if I hate it, we might not get married. So I don't want you to like to hurt your feelings if I'm like, I hate this movie. Well, just to kind of make you feel better about it, if you don't like this, it's not going to affect anything. <laughs> I'll just know that I probably will never have to ask you to watch this one again if it came down to it. And it's actually Good. kind of interesting because, so you guys don't know this at the moment, but one of the movies she is referring to is Suspiria, which I can understand where she's coming from. I like a lot of the intangible things, and this is some of the things we've talked about with that movie. Now, I think I might have told you the story, but just to kind of preface it, is that this movie was helped be made by Dario Argento, is that him and Romero worked together. I believe I heard the story that Romero actually lived in Italy with Dario as he was writing this. And Goblin actually does part of the score if you watch the Italian version. I don't believe that the theatrical one has much music by them, if it has anything, I am happen to love the score growing up and everything. Like, I end up getting because we're gonna watch the 4K Blu-ray of this movie, and it actually came with the soundtrack and everything. And I absolutely just love that. So, just wanted to kind of get that information out there as well. Um, I guess what would be reasons that you do finally want to watch this movie? Um, well, Amelia, my five-year-old niece, spent the night with us on Friday for her birthday gift, and I know that wasn't super fun for you the whole time so just as a favor and I think it's just about time that I watch it one so you stop asking <laughs> me to watch it and then I can actually decide if I like it or not because I know there's a whole series yeah. of the movie so if I don't like this one I'm assuming you'll let me off the hook for the other ones right and if yep. I do like those that'll actually stop some of our disagreements on what to watch on Friday nights completely fair yeah this is actually the middle one of the original trilogy okay but they're not it's not a trilogy you necessarily have to watch in order okay. except you can kind of like night of the living dead is the original one it's from 1968 it's in black and white they decided to film it that way because it was very shoestring budget it was cheaper to do things that way and everything like that I think that one would be a little bit more difficult for you to kind of jump into, where I think this one's being in color and everything. I think it's a bit more exciting than the original one. If you end up liking this one, I would like to go back to show you that one as well. But the story isn't concurrent where, like, things from that one play into this one. And, I mean, all three of them came out in different decades because Night of the Living Dead came out in the 60s, this one came out in the 70s, Day of the Dead came out in the 80s. So you're kind of getting a different feel, even though it's supposed to be the same exact zombie plague, but they don't ever necessarily give you what caused it, but they also don't necessarily play into the other one, except the fact that Night of the Living Dead shows you the start of this apocalypse. 
This one is playing where the apocalypse is happening in the start, but you're actually seeing these people live during it. And then Day of the Dead is literally the world has ended and you're trying to see people want to kind of cure the plague, but they're also kind of figuring out if they're just going to live in this new world and try to survive that way. Okay. So that's why I don't feel as bad to have you jump in in the second one. And then there's more that has come out since then, like Land of the Dead ended up coming out in the 2000s. I think it came out in 2005 because I went and saw it like when I was in college. Of course you did. <laughs> and then there was two more that came out that were both found, well one was found footage, the other one, but those came out after the fact and everything like okay. that. Um, so I guess the last thing I really kind of wanted to ask you before we jumped into watching it is what are your expectations? Um, it's going to be long. Yep. Um, you're going to be really excited. Yes. And I'm going to be hesitant. And I'm hoping that I'm not going to have to take a break. Okay. A lot of times when we watch these movies, I just, I'm not very good about sitting still. Fair. So that's usually why when these movies come up that are older and super long, I get less excited because I have to pay attention for two hours, two plus hours. Yeah. I think this one comes in right at about two hours long. And I would be actually very curious to see if you would need a break or not. If you do, I mean, I'm not going to hold it against you. I mean, I watch movies a lot of times in parts, just how life works, where if I have some free time, I'll watch it. But I'd be very curious just because for the runtime, I feel like it doesn't necessarily feel like it, though. So and we recently watched Castaway, where that was a really long yep. movie, and it, we, I hadn't seen it in a yeah, very long same. time, so I was yep. able to sit through, but some of the movies are just so long and I don't get the whole not that I don't get I obviously understand that. I'm just not into the whole theatrics of some of these older movies yeah so but I mean, for me I just yeah. get I'm like let's just get on with it they're zombies let's kill them let's do it and I mean I feel like the only long movies that we've watched where you actually have needed a break were the Lord of the Rings and Hobbit movies where those are just so, so overly long and Suspiria see Suspiria is only an hour and a half Oh, that felt like a lifetime. <laughs> I also was tired. We have to pick and choose yeah. when we're going to watch these movies. And I think part of the reason why I haven't wanted to watch this movie is because I put it off for so long. Yeah. So now I just would rather keep putting it off. But today's the day. What I'd also say, kind of going back to the Suspiria thing, you haven't really been exposed to Italian cinema where Definitely they not. are very artsy. And they sometimes like to use nightmare logic where that will explain things where this movie doesn't do that. Okay. This movie is much more of a American plot where like you see point A to point B, this is our plan, this is what we're trying to do. Things don't necessarily work out that way, but there's not much nightmare logic in this. This movie's very logical for how the stop the story and plot play out. What was the other movie we watched? Oh, Demons. Another no. Not that one. The one... Yeah! Oh, Return of the Living Dead. Yeah, I did not like that movie. I did not... I couldn't tell. Is it scary? Is it funny? I didn't Fair. understand. And then there's this dance scene, and the next thing I know, there's boobs. Like, I just didn't... <laughs> I didn't get the whole movie. I wasn't into it. Where you have this... Nostalgia for that. Yeah, yeah, you're... Like, these movies are what you were growing up with, and me coming in as a 32-year-old going, what am I watching? Yeah. Why is this so awesome? Fair. No, that's... Okay, yeah, that's... That's also why I'm not super, I guess, excited to watch it because that's the next movie I compare it to. Fair. This one is much different from that. There, this one I feel like it does have a little bit of comedy, but I think it's more of just how people deliver lines or like something that happens. It makes me laugh. I don't necessarily know if this one. This one is not. 
comedic at all. Like it's. Well, I didn't find that one to be funny. Oh, I felt like it was trying to be funny, and I just I missed it. And we've watched some um, the zombie uh, musical. Oh yeah, Anna and the, Anna and the Apocalypse. Yeah. yeah, that was funny and weird, yeah. and I really enjoyed it. I listened to the music still, or right. A lot of the horror comedies I do get into, but they're somewhere since it was made in the seventies or eighties, whenever the humor is lost on me because I just I don't think it's funny yeah that's fair so yeah. if you're over here giggling and stuff i'm just like did i miss something i'm like oh no i just didn't like it i'm not trying to be a negative nancy because maybe this will be my next favorite movie <laughs> but those are my expectations those are the movies i'm comparing it to yeah no this one is i mean return to the living dead obviously does reference night of the living dead but they did take it in a more comedic route and okay. and they end up there's some weird rights issues where this is why this is Dawn of the Dead instead of Dawn of the Living Dead because of George Romero and the writer of the original Night of the Living Dead split ways. So they, I think it's Rush Striner, he got the rights to Of the Living Dead, where that's why it's Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, Land of the Dead, Diary of the Dead. You know, that whole thing okay. where that's, there was like a kind of legalish battle that went down for the rights. Okay, so yeah, I'm just assuming they're in line with that, but... No, this one is not going to be, and Night of the Living Dead isn't anything like Return to the Living Dead. Okay, so those are what I'm comparing it to, because, yeah, like I said earlier, when you talk about this movie, I don't always listen, so I didn't really <laughs> know what it was about, and I just Fair. made my own assumptions. Okay. So, expectations are low, and I think that's the best way for me to go into it, because no, you can only go up from yeah. there. No, that's fair. Alright, that's all I really had for anything, uh, you know, to get this movie kind of intro here. Is there anything you wanted to say before we kind of ended this brief recording here and jump into the movie? Let's just watch this movie and see how it goes. All right, then we will be back with our thoughts after we've watched it. In 1968, George Romero brought us Night of the Living Dead. It became the classic horror film of its time. Now, George Romero brings us the most intensely shocking motion picture experience for all times. It gets up and kills. The people it kills get up and kill. This situation must be controlled before it's too late. They are multiplying too rapidly. Dawn of the Dead. Meet me on the roof at 9 o'clock. Get out. I don't believe We're it. We're going to get out in the chopper. We've got to survive. Somebody's got to survive. They kill for one reason. They kill for food. They eat their victims. Imagine, if you will, that something has gone terribly wrong. Shoot it, man. Now, accept the fact that there's no escaping the horrible consequences. George Romero brings back the dead. Night of the Living Dead has ended. Dawn of the Dead is here. We must not be lulled by the concept that these are our family members or our friends. They are not. They will not respond to such emotions. Operator dead. Post abandoned. We may never get out of the room. It's everywhere. What the hell is it? Looks like a shopping center, one of those big indoor malls. What are they doing? Why do they come here? Some kind of instinct, memory, what they used to do. This was an important place in their lives. What is it? We've got a war. 
afraid. We have spawned our own savagery. Soon, it will consume us all. It is a horrible, hauntingly accurate vision of the mindless excesses of a society gone mad. They must be destroyed on sight. When there is no more room in hell, the dead will walk the earth. We are down to the line, folks. We are down to the line. Dawn of the Dead. Okay, and welcome back. Now, we have watched this movie and, you know, kind of let it marinate a little bit before we actually sat down to do this recording, but it is just a few hours after we finished. So, Jamie, I guess my first question for you would be, what did you end up liking about this movie, and did you actually like the movie itself? I didn't hate it. It was actually one of the better movies that I think we've watched that are more of that older type. Um, I thought it, I didn't need a break during it. The only reason why we had to stop it was because... Life. adult things got in the yeah. way <laughs> but other than that i i was actually entertained by the movie and I, I chuckled at a few spots so it had the comedic relief that i think is good for movies but it wasn't trying too hard and it it made sense it flowed really well yeah because i mean that's what i kind of was trying to say in our pregame is that yes there's some built-in comedy but i don't necessarily think they're trying to be funny I think it's the actor's chemistry and that they just have good timing. And it's kind of interesting because most of the people in this didn't do a whole lot. I mean, Galen Ross worked with George Romero on a few other things. I know she did some other lower-budget movies. Um, I don't really recognize the other two guys from much of anything. But then Ken Forey, the black guy, he's been in quite a bit. He's actually worked throughout the years and everything. Like I've seen him in a kind of gangster movie from... It's supposed to be from the 50s, but I know it was around similar time, and he did a lot of stuff with Rob Zombie after the fact as he got older and whatnot. Yeah, I liked him a lot. He yeah. was probably my favorite character. Mm -hmm. Him, and then I liked the short white guy. Yep. Uh, what's his name? It's Roger. So I liked Roger initially. I thought he kind of had that com comedic relief a lot, like when they were at the gas station filling up the... Mm -hmm. Um, helicopter and Steven, who the only character I know is Steven, and there's a reason why, but he would, was shooting at the one zombie and then Roger just comes in, moves his gun, shoots, and then leaves. It was just very, like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, it was, it was funny. It was very dry humor. I liked him at first, and yeah. then he got annoying. The more wild he got... But we're kind of talking mistakes. Right. But I was saying, we're kind of talking about that as the movie was going on is that I think for him is that we're seeing him descend into madness with everything I that's agree. going on there is that I think he's getting a little bit stir crazy. And I also don't think he's taking things seriously because they were doing so well with things. And I think it's just showing how reckless he becomes as they're trying to kind of set up this more perfect kind of lifestyle. I agree. And I mean, a lot of people have brought up. George Romero was known for his social commentary with these zombie movies. This one, we didn't, I kind of wanted to wait to kind of do it here for the recording. This movie is really kind of showing a lot with consumerism, especially because the zombies mindlessly go back to the mall where, you know, that's where they would go when they were alive and that's why they're kind of going there now. You kind of get something like that. Um, I know we've also kind of talked about how in the movie, like, they mess around with the money and like they're betting on stuff while they are creating their normal type of lifestyle. I mean, it's really kind of showing that 
and I mean the Raiders also kind of do this, where they start to take the money and everything, but it's meaningless because without society, money doesn't have any sort of value. So like, well, they did that with the fur coats and yep. the watches and the comment he made about the gun. The, oh, yep. That the only person who has enough money, or the only person who can miss with this gun, is the sucker with enough bread to actually buy it. Right. So they kind of were poking fun at that as well as we have all these things that we need and I'm using air quotes around need and then in that type of world it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. it's stuff it's stuff yeah like the stuff that really matters at that point in time is food water shelter ammo protection so you go back to that hierarchy of needs Mm -hmm. but I mean we even kind of talked about that what I really like about this movie is that when their lives are at risk, they actually get along better. And then as they seal them all off and then kind of create a more normalcy back to their life, we actually see that like that Steven as well as Francine hate each other. Like once their lives become more normal again and that they don't have to necessarily worry about staying alive, they can't stand each other. They're in a loveless like relationship. He tries to like ask her to marry him. She shuts it down because there's no point. Like their lives are what it is. Like you're like there's nobody who can actually marry them and like things get very tense and really the only person who has any sort of true survival instincts is Peter. He's the only one who like when the Raiders show up, he's the one like, no, we can't do this. We need to actually listen out to it. And he's the one that's like, hey, don't worry about this place. Let them have it. Let them take what they want. And then it's Steven who kind of ruins everything by creating a war with them. Right. Well, it's always about protecting what's yours, but we had talked about nothing in this mall is theirs. No. And so they just found it first and made it their own. And right. That You see that happen in a lot of other movies and TV shows where you set ownership and then someone threatens that then how do you defend yourself? Well, I mean, it's even kind of, now that I'm thinking about it, a commentary on, like, how we took over America. Is that this was the Native American stuff. We just came in and were stronger than them and took it from them. So, like, at the first point is that these people kind of claim this land for themselves and the Raiders are almost the people from Europe who came in and took it away from the people that had it before them. But again, it's... Peter's the only one who actually looks at it and goes, this stuff doesn't matter. We took what we needed and we were surviving and we got a little bit too comfortable. Agreed. I saw that for that. Um, and I mean, not only that, but the Raiders. I mean, the one guy who's trying to check his blood pressure while there's zombies all around him. They're coming in and the one guy's like, what are you going to watch on the television? Because by that point, all of the broadcasting has stopped. And, so, and then they kind of realize like, you're right, I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to be able to watch anything on this. And they kind of just look at this as a giant playground for them as they mess around with what's in there. Right, it was still kind of sad to me that they just kept destroying things just Mm -hmm. because they could, right? It just, it kind of reminds me of, say, a burglar's going to come in, they're going to, one, threaten your security, which is devastating enough, but then just destroying stuff, it's just... For sheer enjoyment. Right, and so it was very wasteful. But I get that all this stuff doesn't matter. Yeah. But still, like, it was meaningful to somebody. It just, I don't know, it just felt so wasteful. Well, I mean, and actually, if you kind of think about it, there's also kind of a correlation here that the Raiders are a lot like Heath Ledger's Joker from The Dark Knight. It's when he gets all that money from the gangsters, and then he sets it on fire, and then that's where you have Wilfred talking about, or Alfred talking about 
some men just want to see the world burn. Like, the Raiders are anarchists. Like, they don't want any sort of semblance of anything. They just want to come in, enjoy life, and then move on. And just, they don't need any of these things. Right. Taking the gold and taking the money, taking all that stuff doesn't matter. They just do it because it's fun. Yes. And I mean, yeah, they're definitely like a motorcycle gang. So, like, for them, it's... That's just living life, and I mean, Peter brings it back up as well, kind of correlating back to something that he had said is that they're a professional army. They've probably been surviving on the road this whole time, and that's they're more battle-hardened by that point than the people in the mall because they've gotten soft in their month or so that they've been living there. Right. Yeah, they didn't have to be on high alert as much anymore. Right. Um, is there anything else that you like that you kind of wanted to bring up here before we moved on to the next question? Um, overall, I thought it was a pretty good movie, so yeah. I think we kind of touched base on a lot of that. Okay, perfect. Um, is there anything that you didn't like about this movie? Steven. <laughs> fair, fair. Now I he's... did not like Steven. He's a, what we call a pud. Yeah. <laughs> um, he just made things worse. He's that one character who he thought he knew better. He wanted to be a leader, but he had no skills to yeah. bring to the table. I mean, he could fly the helicopter. Which was awesome. And you need him for and that. And you need him for that. But I, Francine had made a good point where she's like, we need to learn all the roles here because she had said, I'm not going to be your den mother. Yes. Which I thought was awesome because they kind of were looking at her to cook and clean. And I'm sorry, if you don't have any other skills, cooking and cleaning is very It's demeaning. Basic. It, yeah. Well, it's those basic skills that you need. Like, say if our world became a pocket apocalyptic i cannot shoot a gun you don't want me outside scavenging for things but i know that i can take care of the basic home so i think they kind of automatically put her in that role which she didn't want to which she didn't want to be but like steven also should have been in that role yes but he got the cop out so i thought it was kind of cool of peter when she brought it up and he's like yeah you're right however i'm not doing that till you learn skills so then she practice she went shooting in the ice rink and outside and then in the end obviously we see her flying the helicopter so i was like that's pretty cool i thought that was a great way to handle her being put into that role which she felt demeaned and threatened or not threatened but demeaned and like just put down about but it made sense coming from peter's perspective but Steven wanted to keep her in the room. He wanted to keep her safe, so I get it. Yeah, I mean, he's not completely wrong in anything that he did there. I do think he's partially misogynistic, though. I will he say did that. Like those roles. But that is one of the things, though, that I think that makes Peter even better of a character. And we talked about it at the time is that, like, when she voices her grievances, he's like, yes. Uh, you're right. I agree. And I mean, and even to an extent, Roger is also like, yeah, okay. He's like, I'm completely fine with that. But Peter, like you said, though, is pretty much like, okay, I hear you, but you're not going to do anything until you know how to handle yourself. And then he's also the one like, yeah, we should have somebody else who knows how to fly the helicopter because, I mean, it does keep Steven as being an important, it keeps his importance in the group is that you need to have him there. But if anything happens to him, then you're kind of screwed there because of that. Where And I mean, obviously there's the kind of awkward scene where they reveal that Franny is pregnant there and she's like, I don't want to be looked down upon because I'm pregnant. And Peter just flat out puts out the thing like, I can perform, a, I guess, a backroom abortion for you if that's what you want to. But he's not pushing it. He's just saying, what do you want to do? These are your options. Figure it out. Yeah. I think Peter's just definitely the most straightforward character. Yeah. 
there where he's like, you're right, I don't want to carry your weight if I don't have to, mm-hmm. but you need to. Right. And I'll help you figure out what that is, and I can help you either way, but... Yeah, I didn't like that whole talk about the abortion because the one person who should have been in that conversation now, was her, and she was... I guess it was just... I just didn't like it because she was listening, and I think I would have a hard time if I was that character hearing now that my did, baby daddy was having that conversation. Right. Granted, it got brought up to him, but I think... He's the one that brought it up, which he probably... She didn't want them to know because she didn't want them to think less of her, I will say is they did think that she was asleep. They thought that she was napping in there. Still, they're talking about her situation. I understand. Without her being privy to it necessarily. And they should have had... And that's where she stands up for herself, though. And that's where Peter's like, I recognize that forward. And I thought that was good. I appreciated the fact that her character, even though she was sick and didn't have those skills, she was a strong character. Mm -hmm. Because it is easy just to be like, woe is me. I'm scared. I'm going to live in this fear. And she was like, nah, I'm going to step up and learn what I need to do because I have to protect myself, especially if she is going to have a child. I think she kind of took on that role as being obviously going to be a new mother and you live in a world with zombies. So I thought that was pretty cool. I like that part of it. No, exactly. Is there anything else that you didn't like about the movie? Uh, There's just a couple of loopholes or plot Plot holes holes that I... Was annoying because after I've watched so many movies with you, I noticed those things mm-hmm. a whole lot more. Like um, Roger had shot the one zombie, and his face was covered in blood. And then the next scene, he doesn't have any blood on his face, and or like the yep. zombies are climbing the ladder. But right. I don't think a zombie would be coordinated enough to do that. I However, agree. these zombies are able to repeat things. So most of those guys, I think, that were climbing were. Uh, servicemen, so they know mm. how to obviously get up on a ladder. I just it felt a little too far fetched that they were going to climb up this ladder very gracefully, right? And follow her out onto the. Well, not only that, we also have bed. the one who is the gun zombie who has taken that the was, gun, and fun. he somehow was able to climb up with the gun in hand still. So, like, there, I agree with you. Like, I've always been bothered by that scene where it's like. How did they know that the coordination being there to climb up? I'm forgiving of it just because well, it is like, what it is, and it's building tension. Picky. Exactly. I also the um, biker gang was kind of a little bit over the top for me. Yeah. Because I don't think the guy getting his blood pressure checked. Like, mm-hmm. why would you do that right there? I get why they did it for the move, but those were some things. Because it makes like, that set piece where you can see right. his arm getting tore off as he's got the cuff around it. I'm with you. I don't know if I would. I mean. The leader of it, though, literally is like, hey, they're shooting at us. Like, come on, man. What are you doing? Yeah, or the and then the movie with, or the parts with the water and the pies. I just felt like it just felt unnecessary because I guess if you're a motorcycle gang and you're going to destroy stuff, I'm expecting you to spray paint. I'm expecting you to yeah. break windows, steal, like, break more TVs and stuff like that, not throw pies. I will say... I didn't want to tell you this until like we were recording. That whole thing was set up. I believe, if I'm remembering correctly, is they were trying to figure out how the zombies should be able to be killed. And I believe at the time, Romero's wife eventually is the one like, oh, why don't you have a pie to the face as like a joke? And so they finally incorporated that back into everything where that's how oh. it came up, where that it was pies to the face. That kills them? No, just... It, 
as a joke, that was how it was brought up. So then oh. they were like, hey, we could actually do this scene here. It would be kind of a lighter scene and we can do it. I don't like that scene. I don't think it fits. I think the whole movie, that's not the tone you have and then you have this as a scene. Yeah, I, it, I get he's probably paying homage to his wife at that point yeah. in time, but that was the one where I was like, really? All right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right, right. It wasn't bad, but it was just one where I'm like, if I had to pick something I didn't like. Because overall, I liked this movie significantly more than mm-hmm. what I had built up in my head. But there is, if you're, if I had to pick something, those would be the right. things that I just was, that, and I just really didn't like Stephen. Uh, that's, <laughs> no, he is, I will say, the actor does a great job once he becomes a zombie, is he has one of the best movements. And I love that they've established, he actually says it at one point when they first go to the mall, like, when Franny asks, why are they here? And he's the one like, memory, this is what they used to do, this is where they're coming. And then um, Roger later on also, or not Roger, um, Peter says later on as well, like, you know, the same thing that this is what they did. They would come here. They don't know why they're drawn here, but it's kind of a residual memory thing. So that's where it sets up when he becomes a zombie. Right, it's full circle. He's able to lead everybody to their home. Yes, to get to that, you know, final kind of climax scene that happens. So I do like that, and I mean, like I said, his walk is one of my favorites, where he's, like, walking on his, like, top of his foot, his ankle and everything. They're incorporating that he got, his leg was all tore up by the zombies that bit him, so that's why he's walking that way. His revolver that he got from the office there is stuck around his finger, and I mean, he just has that look on his face. Just, I don't like his character either, just because he is the worst of the group. Yeah. But the actor does actually a great job of right. making me have a reaction towards him. Yeah, so, I mean, that's a backwards compliment for him. No, but, I mean, I've always said, though, is for me, if I really like you or I hate you, your acting performance is good because you, you got a reaction out of me. Right. So, I will give credit for that. Yeah. And then another thing, if I really had to be picky, was the amount of blood that sometimes came out of zombies yeah. versus other times, like when they're ripping open the stomach, there's no blood. At first, and then, yeah. At first, and then some of the zombies, you shoot them in the head, and there's just blood everywhere. Yeah. And zombies obviously don't have the blood circulating anymore, so right. they are dead and don't have a heartbeat. Because that's what, actually, bringing up what we talked about in the pregame about Return to the Living Dead, that's one of, actually, the greatest things they did in that one, is when Freddy and the other guy are turning, is that they notice that they're bruised because gravity is pulling the blood to the lowest point and so it's bruising because that's where it's sitting for right. them so that'd be my other complaint okay. as a healthcare person <laughs> fair enough um is there anything else then you want to do for this question or do you want to move on to the next one we can move on all right perfect then the next one would be um is there anything that you could think of that could make the movie better i i honestly don't think so besides the, the little picking apart things yeah I think that could be it, but I think for the time that the movie was set, it actually was decent. Like, I laughed a little bit, I got, I had a jump scare, which I don't know if it was supposed to be that way, but I did <laughs> jump at one point in time, but I got invested into the characters, it didn't feel like a two hour long movie. Right. And then I think it just played true to it, the time period it was set in, so yeah, I didn't feel like it was... I was, it didn't feel as if I was watching that old of a movie. Right. Or some of the other ones. Kind of feel a little bit more dated. More dated. Yeah. yeah, I thought this one was... I mean, I know we also kind of talked about, and I was just thinking about, is 
obviously I told you the gun store is not in this mall at any point ever. So like that was added to, we did talk about a little bit, like there possibly could have been a pharmacy. I mean, I wasn't born in the seventies. Oh yeah, their malls are different. So we don't necessarily know if there could have been like a pharmacy there where they could have gotten some of these things. I'm assuming that back then, because malls were so popular, there probably were a wider selection of stores where, like, there did seem to be, like, a grocery store. That's a definite possibility back then that they could have had a small type of grocery store yeah. located in one. But I don't know because I never went to a mall in that time period. Because, I mean, we were both born in the late 80s. So, like, I mean, this movie was almost 10 years old by the time we were born. So, like, there is that type of thing to kind of factor Minor in. Minor details. <laughs> right. Um... Did you have any sort of final thoughts that you wanted to share about this movie? I kind of wish I wouldn't have put it off for so long, mm -hmm. but I think I just built it up in my head that I wasn't going to like it. Yeah. And I also didn't want to disappoint you. Right. Because I know it is your favorite movie and your family talks about it all the time. Right. So I guess I can now be officially a Garrett. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> right. Because, I mean, you saying you did like the movie, so I mean... I did tell you earlier that I would not have broken anything off with you, but now that you do like it, I will say that I know I don't have to end anything now, so that is definitely a load off of my shoulders as well. Are you excited to see any of the other ones in the series? Honestly, no. <laughs> um, just in the fact of, this just isn't my style of Fair. movie. I don't have that nostalgia to it like you do. Yeah. Like some of the movies that I watch and I'm really excited about, you're like, oh, great. Mm -hmm. So, but I, I wouldn't be opposed to watching them. It's yeah. just, it's not my favorite kind of movie. I'd rather go watch something else. Yeah. But I don't think I'd have such an aversion to it. Okay. But I do know like movies that are your favorite. I want to be like, I don't want to watch this movie after we've had a few drinks. Yeah. Or if I'm just not in the mood to pay attention to something so oh yeah but i don't know i would actually I'm not looking forward to it but i'm not dreading it yeah so i'm neutral no, i guess that's kind of fair because i mean like not everybody likes zombies i mean obviously in my household that was a subgenre that was very popular my dad loves them i mean like i said my dad was showing me this movie and then it's uh the sequel after a day of the dead we watched that one regularly growing up like way too young to watch it but like we do have the nostalgia for it like my dad my sister like all of us like that right and i think to me at this point in time zombies have been done like yes a lot and that's just i'm not really into the blood and the gore mm -hmm. that zombies usually bring mm -hmm. so that's the only thing where i'm like oh it's been done i watched walking dead through most of it yeah. and i just got bored of it it's the same it's the same premise a group's trying to survive some of their friends die, so it's the same thing. So I was actually kind of relieved to see that it wasn't too far different, but it did have its own twist on it since they took over the mall, and you see mm -hmm. it's only four characters versus a whole tribe. And, but it's really the same plot for most of these films. Well, a lot of the really good zombie films don't necessarily have a lot of interaction with humans and zombies, per se. A lot of it is the characters and getting to know the characters. So that's one of the things that Romero does so well, though, is he makes such likable characters where you get invested to see what happens with them. And I mean, all of their, like, all the movies in the series are, for the most part, like that. Because, I mean, Night of the Living Dead takes place over one night as this kind of whole zombie thing is happening. And it's a group of people trying to survive in this house out in the middle of pretty much the country. 
And then where Day of the Dead, the one that comes after this, is a military and science unit that was trying to find a way to cure it or to find a way to do this. And it's the world has ended and it's them trying to survive and losing contact with Washington. And this was a unit and everything and an operation that was thrown together very quickly. And they're surviving in this bunker. Okay. Where then Land of the Dead takes place quite a bit after the world has ended. And there that one has a lot more social commentary as well about how there is this rich ruling group and then there's like a slum and the zombies are getting even smarter because they've been around for decades, it seems like. Where then Diary of the Dead goes back to the beginning where it's a found footage angle of documenting what has happened as things are going real time. Where like it's doesn't the timelines don't necessarily obviously mesh up. And then the last one is, um, I believe it's uh, Survival of the Dead, which is an island where two warring families don't like each other. And it's like Hatfields and the McCoys on an island, but there's zombies on this island as kind of another backdrop to it as well. Yeah, yeah so at least there's like a difference in between. But yeah, even like 28 weeks later and stuff like that, it all has the same yeah. feel to it. So it's fine that they kind of take their own twist on it. Because you have to have the classic zombie movie. Yeah. Especially in a series. And then but this, to me, is like the zombie movie that maybe started a lot more of it. Well, because Romero's the one that started it with Night of the Living Dead, which came out like a decade before this. So, I mean, like, before that, it was voodoo were zombies. So, like, Romero literally started this subgenre where it's reanimated corpses eating people. So, like... His films are the the OGs, the godfathers right. for everything. Which is kind of cool. So it's nice to see where it started and mm-hmm. to know that we haven't really strayed far from no. the first one. But as on movies, it's just not my thing. No, that's completely fair. No, I mean, you're not alone there. There are a lot of people, especially nowadays, that are definitely burned out on the subgenre in general. Because, I mean, there's there's a so dime a dozen of them. Yeah. And they all do a different twist, but at that point in time, there's only so many twists you can do. Mm-hmm. Oh, so. that's... All right, so is there anything else you kind of wanted to get in? Because actually, I forgot to tell you this. We will rate this one as well. Oh, okay. Um, is there anything else you wanted to kind of say before we got to that portion and kind of closed everything out? No, I think we pretty much covered most of it. Okay. So I will go first. You kind of already have an idea of what my rating is going to be here, is that this is my favorite horror movie of all time. It's my second favorite movie of any genre so i'm of course coming in a 10 out of 10 of this one is i do have my nitpicks they are what they are it's a lot of it's because i've seen this movie umpteen times so that's where i come in is a 10 out of 10 i'm more my rating is what i watch it again mm-hmm. um i don't think i liked it as much as i did the gremlins just because that yeah. has that nostalgia for me yeah. so i think that boosts it up i don't remember what i rated that one can I read it on Will I Watch or Won't Watch Again? You can do that, yeah. So, yes, I'd watch it again. Um, I don't know if it'd even be in my top favorite movies. That's fair. But, like, I love Nightmare Before Christmas, and I know that you and I will watch that every November 1st. Mm-hmm. And then Gremlins will be more of a tradition. And those are movies that I will raise our kids on watching with you. But yeah. the other movies, you can do it yourself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, I guess I would give it a 7. Okay. Maybe. I will never rate a movie less than a five because I'm nice, but yeah. <laughs> but I would say I wouldn't. I'd watch it every couple of years, but it wouldn't be one yeah. I'd be like, oh sweet, today's watching this movie because we do it every April twenty fifth. Right. Yeah, and I mean, well, the good thing is too is that we actually watched the second sight 
Blu-ray or the 4K Blu-ray box that I had because I got this for Christmas, so I've been holding out that I didn't want you to watch it before I got the 4K because, I mean, if you're going to watch it, you might as well watch it the best way possible that we could. Agreed. The good thing is there at least are multiple cuts of the movie, so, like, I think the next time that we watch it, I would probably have you watch the extended cans cut where it's a little bit longer but you also will get more kind of scenes to kind of fill in a little bit more backstory can kind of fill in a little bit more things i can gotcha. as you're seeing it i think you'll understand why it was cut because it just kind of prolongs things where you don't necessarily need it but i think it's kind of interesting for a movie to have multiple cuts to kind of watch them periodically where you can kind of see things, get a little bit more in-depth thing. And then, I mean, if we ever watch it a third time, I would probably say we'll watch the European Argento cut, which is a little bit shorter. You already know the story, so you kind of have a tighter cut where I've actually talked to my buddy Tony when we were at the last Nightmares Film Festival, where that one has the best soundtrack of all of them. Like, I like the royalty-free music that they use in this that was like studio music that was free to use. But the Goblin score, if you have that, just that throughout it, is so much better and adds more depth to the movie for me. But that's also because I love Goblin, like I love Suspiria, I love all of the Argento movies, that he, they work together. And I also love the other just random songs that I've listened to from other Italian movies that I've never even seen before, but just how funky and odd their music style is, that I just love that like prog rock that they did out of Italy. Okay, cool, yeah. I guess. We'll be doing that sometime this year. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, um, I guess if you wanted to go ahead and say, you know, goodbye to anybody in particular or just the listeners in general, I'll let you go ahead and do that now. All right. I want to give a shout out to my mom and dad, Greg and Connie, because they're kind of cool. Um, <laughs> also, my sister, Monica, my brother-in-law, Pete, and of course, my niece and nephew, Amelia and Jonas. Love you all. Okay. I'm not going to do my normal spiel as I close everything out. I will have all of my social medias in the show notes and anything like that. If you want to send any sort of feedback about this show or, you know, send anything, go ahead and email me or you can send me a message on any of those. Um, Outside of that, though, whatever you do today, I hope you're safe and doing it and have a great time. This is David Garrett Jr., your tour guide here on Journey with a Cinephile, and I am signing off. It had been a wonderful evening. And what I needed now to give it the perfect ending.